Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And good morning, Marshfield and the rest of the South Shore of Boston. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show, and I really like it that way. All right, so today we have big doings here on the show. We always have a plan, okay, and today's plan uh, is the subject of Medicare, and uh, I have with me uh, a fellow who's been here before. His name is Peter Stoner. Uh, Peter is a uh, from Stoner and Company. I like that, you know, being a McNamara Financial Services guy. Uh, Peter's a, a, an advisor and a, a Medicare expert, and uh, yeah, he's going to spend some time with us here for the next couple hours, hopefully answering lots of questions over the uh, phone. This is a show where we get a lot of phone calls, folks, and so uh, if you have any sort of uh, question uh, or comment about Medicare, a very confusing and interesting topic for many of us, uh, this is your special day because uh, Peter does this for a living, and uh, our telephone number here is 781-837-4900, and really, the only dumb question is is the one that you don't ask on this show, as you probably know that. So, so a broad-ranging topic, um, 
I'm going to ask Peter a bunch of dumb questions uh, over the next couple hours, and he's going to kind of guide us through uh, a, a variety of issues that relate to Medicare. Uh, but but really, I hope we spend the next two hours pretty much talking to folks because it's kind of the best way to, uh, to to get the information out there to the world. So, by the way, thank you for driving all the way down here today, Peter. Appreciate that. Pleasure. Alrighty. Uh, so, folks, uh, once again, our telephone number is 781-837-4900. We have open lines. That's a radio euphemism for saying nobody's calling yet, but we're ever hopeful here on the south shore of Boston. So Medicare, all the stuff you need to know, 781-837-4900. All righty. So let's see. We need about nine hours for this show, right? Plus or minus or what? <laughs> you need a while. Yeah. It's, a, okay. it's a complicated subject. All right. So where do you want to start? Uh, you, you can carry the ball here, and I'll just tag along and ask a bunch of hopefully questions that maybe people are thinking about out there on their own anyway. Well, okay. I think the thing uh, right now, Mike, that's the most topical is that we're approaching the Medicare open enrollment period of the year. Okay. That starts October 15th and it lasts until December 7th. Okay. And it affords people the opportunity to enroll in a new Medicare plan. So if they're already on a Medicare plan, this is the time of year where they're able to change it. So if they have a plan that for whatever reason they're not crazy about, mm -hmm. they can change to another plan uh, at this time. And it's the only time of year that it's open to everyone. There are a bunch of special election periods during the course of the year, and we'll get into that later on. Yep. But this is the one where uh, all of a sudden people who are 65 and older will notice that uh, there's all sorts of advertisements on television. And mail showing up they, in your mailbox. They're mail getting <laughs> inundated with mail <laughs> yeah. because it is the kind of thing where anybody who is 65 and over essentially has a target on their back yeah. for the Medicare carriers. Okay. And they know this is the time of year that they have to make hay. It's either now or never. So this is when they spend the vast majority of their marketing budgets uh, and what's happening more and more in Massachusetts is you get national players that are moving into this market. Okay. Used to be a decade ago, you'd have the usual suspects. Yeah. And by that, I mean the Tufts, the Blue Cross Blue Shields, the Harvard Pilgrim, uh, the Fallon, and so forth that would be offering Medicare products. Okay. More recently, you have uh, Aetna that has moved into the state. You have Humana. Uh, they're both national players. United's been here for a while. Okay. United uh, seems to focus a lot on their Medicare supplement plan. If you've gotten any mail so far, it's probably been from them. Okay. Uh, again, big pockets um, focused on in this market. This market does not have the kind of Medicare Advantage penetration that a lot of states have. How, how come for that? Don't well, you, it's uh, we were kind of late to the game for one. Really? Okay. Uh, it's the kind of thing, for example, um, Rhode Island has about 40% penetration of Medicare Advantage. We've got about half that in this state. So mm -hmm. if I'm a marketing director for a large national Medicare plan, I see that as an opportunity. Okay. And a lot of them have. Uh, they've moved into the state and it just uh, heats up the game, if you will, for everyone because now the... the um, 
the players that are indigenous to Massachusetts have to step up step up their game as well, Ooh, okay. essentially okay. just to compete. So it becomes uh, an arms race, if you will. More choices, more confusion, basically. Well, uh, unfortunately, that that happens to be a correlation. The yeah. more you have, the more you have to consider. Yeah. Typically, the I see you've got your Medicare and you handbook here. I even, I even read it over in preparation. Did you really? Well, most of it. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. You know, that's a great book, and I keep it every year. Yeah. I actually don't read it. I use it for reference yeah. because it includes all the plans that are offered. So then it okay. really gets confusing because there's so many different plans yeah. offered in Massachusetts. Uh, that it gets overwhelming for most people. So, so the folks that move into town there, into the state there, they have to go through the insurance commissioner to get approved. I assume and all that they stuff. They do. There. Yeah. Okay. They do. Okay. It's a cumbersome process. Yeah. And uh, it's fraught with regulation. Yeah. You know, when you think of Medicare, that's primarily for people who are 65 and over. Yep. And or disabled. That's a very regulated market. Yeah. Okay. So that there's a there's a level of regulation with Medicare that is unbelievable. Okay. So for example, if anybody at uh, this time of year decides they want to go and see uh, a marketing um, seminar by one of these plans, yeah. That seminar is uh, so regulated that the federal government has reviewed the script. Whoa. And the, the people that are giving the seminars have to stick verbatim to the seminar. And wow. I used to, uh, at one point, I would go to these seminars for one or other of the health plans, and I would listen to them over the course of the... Uh, annual en enrollment period yep. and my job this was a number of years ago uh, was to then try to enroll people for that plan yeah okay well but that also meant that I had to listen to the presentation over and over again and it was at the point where uh, I knew what the next word was going to be yeah, wow. by virtue of the fact that they had a script and lots of times they'll say things like uh, you know we'll take uh, questions at the end of the presentation and that's for a number of reasons, not the least of which is they don't want to get off the script. Yeah. Okay. And but again, it's been it's been submitted to the federal government, in this case the Center of Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS. They go over the presentation word by word wow. and they'll say, you know, you can say this, but you can't say that. Uh, and They'll even send out secret shoppers from the government who will go to these seminars, <laughs> and they'll listen to them. Wow. And I've wow. been to presentations that have had secret shoppers at them, wow. and they, they'll make comments afterwards. You know, it's you, you, you don't want to do this, you want to do that. So it's it's highly regulated, and it, and it really needs to be because there are some states, I wouldn't say Massachusetts, frankly, but there are some states where uh, years ago, because of the commission that would be paid on a Medicare Advantage plan, uh, brokers and even salespeople from plans were saying things that they shouldn't be saying. Ah, okay. And that's okay. when the level of regulation really stepped up. Is, uh, is this, I don't want to get too far afield with this question. I'm sorry, with this question, I don't want to get too far afield, but so usually competition's good and it kind of keeps prices and things under control to Absolutely. the extent. Absolutely. And, and this is, this is, you can Absolutely. see this. Yeah, good. I okay. think I think a case in, in point, Mike, would be if you look at the uh, Part D plans, yeah. the yeah. prescription, prescription pieces, yeah. they've uh, kept their premiums uh, in, a, in a very low 
level at this point for many years consecutively. Okay. Yeah. And in fact, the plan, the Part D plan that I have. So personally, I'm 71 years old. I've been on Medicare for six years. Yep. I have a Part D plan. I'm not going to tell you which one it is, but it's going down by. Uh, 60 cents next year. Okay. So you think, well, 60 cents, that's not a big deal. But the fact is it didn't go up. It, yeah, it ate up. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's not up. And that's the that's the key yeah, there. Yeah, wow, wow, yeah, okay. So okay. So we won't even get into a single-payer system on this show. That's probably seven hours of another show, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you do eliminate competition. Yeah. And I'm a, frankly, I'm a big believer in competition. Yeah, yeah okay. I think it forces people to, to do the right thing. Yep. And I think it forces companies to be very careful about how they price their product. Yeah, cool. All right, folks, this is a call-in talk radio show. Our telephone number is 781-837-4900. And if you have a Medicare-related question, this is your special day. Okay, so so we have open enrollment, and it's only for a couple months, basically. Not even quite that, right? 1015 to 12 Yeah, yeah. Uh, 1015 to December 7th. Yep. It's funny. I think they chose December 7th for the obvious reason, because the baby boomers all remember Pearl Harbor. Okay. 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 And uh, but the younger generation has no clue. So I think yeah. at some point yeah. okay. they'll change that date. Yeah. Um, a case in point was about uh, five years ago. My oldest daughter told me that she was getting married. I said, "Terrific! What's the date?" She said, "December 7th. <laughs> I said, "You really don't know, do you?" Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. No. Yeah. No clue. Wow. Wow. So, so just out of curiosity, are there any statistics on? How many people actually changed during that period of time? Is it a huge? I would guess it's a small number, but I don't know. Well, I would say that the percentage is not, frankly, that high. Yeah. I mean, most people, and this is especially true as we age. Yeah. Most people, once they have a plan, they had researched it in the first place. They yeah. typically Ho- stay hopefully, with it. Yes, right. Hopefully, okay, yeah, yes, okay. exactly right. Hopefully, yeah. they've researched it. Yeah. And so what I find is that when we hit our mid-80s, I'm yep. saying, say, 83 to 87, things pretty much get locked in, yeah. and people very infrequently change. Hate change. That, they yeah. hate change. I do that now. <laughs> well, and, and, but that's true because yeah. you, whatever you chose, you chose it for a reason yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. The, the exception to that, the thing that I always like to caution people is that especially if they're on a Medicare supplement plan, they have to take a separate Part D plan for their prescriptions. Now, those Part D plans change annually. Okay. So the drug companies will get together with uh, pharmacy benefit ma- uh, managers. They'll get together with the carriers themselves, and they'll discuss, well, what went well this past year? What can we tweak a little bit? Maybe what can we make a little more profit on? Yeah. And so they change their formularies virtually annually, formulary is the list of covered drugs. So if I have a drug plan and they've covered all my prescriptions and everything was fine, typically I don't bother to look at it in the fall. And that would be a mistake. Because what happens is if they've changed that formulary, when people typically find out about that change, although by law and regulation they've received notification of the changes, who reads it? That's the problem. Who reads it? Yep. They go to the pharmacy in January and find all of a sudden their copayments have changed. Ah, uh, okay, okay. And it, but then it's too late because remember the window was between October fifteenth and December seventh, 
So they can't change their drug plan in January. They've got to stay on that drug plan for the remainder of the year. And that would make sense. If, in terms of all the moving pieces, there's a whole lot of them on the drug side in terms of new drugs. Absolutely. Things coming off Absolutely. of uh, copyrights or patents or whatever. And, so, yeah. And people yeah. get new prescriptions within yeah. the course of a year. Yeah. So science and technology plays a part in that, all those Absolutely changes. Absolutely does. Okay. So yeah. w- one of the things that I <clears throat> always advise people, if they have parents who are in their 80s, is to have their parents either make sure that somebody looks at their Part D plan for the following year okay. or look at it for their parents. Okay. So a child could go on the Medicare website, that's www.medicare.gov. They could put in their uh, parents' uh, zip code and then their prescriptions, and then that software will tell them in Massachusetts of the 22 drug plans offered, which one best accommodates their parents' prescriptions. Wow. So that's a we do that for people as well, Stoner and Company. Really, wow! That's a uh, a public service. It's also a way of getting to know people. Yeah, but it's something that a child could do for a parent just as easily. That's right. You would obviously shop for what would treat you best, right? Absolutely, yeah, okay. it makes a lot of sense, okay. and it can save a lot of money. Okay, wow! So, so lots of moving pieces here, right? And again, <laughs> as we get older, we're more resistant to change. I had an 85-year-old two years ago who I redid his prescription plan, and I told him that he could save $6,000 a year, was not a wealthy man, could save $6,000 if he changed his drug plan. And then I had to fight with him, essentially, (laughs) to get him to do it. And it was like... He didn't believe you. (laughs) It was unbelievable. First of all, the drug plan that I was suggesting for him, I was not a broker for. I wasn't going to make a nickel on it. And here we're having this tug of war over saving him $6,000. Finally, he did do it, and and thankfully so. Yeah. um, Does the... Besides regulating what can be said and a bunch of other things, do they regulate the profit margins in that business or not? Or how does that work? The profit margins really are uh, set more, I think, by the competition. Oh, so the go- okay, so the government so doesn't get involved They don't really don't. I mean, if I'm if I'm a carrier and I overcharge for my product, yeah. then then people aren't going to take that product. Yeah, cool. All right, good. So that it, that's really the driving force, I think, behind that market. Yeah. Okay. When it, it is yeah. typically, so oh. the people know, one of the more <coughs> profitable products for health carriers. Which is why we get all that mail and all that stuff. That's why you get all that mail, because they have a stake in that game. And the game is that a lot of profit margin comes from Medicare Advantage plans. Really? Okay. Not so much Medicare supplement plans, but Medicare Advantage plans. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I I see some of that on the other side with some physicians I have as clients about all the changes going on in their world as a result of all this. That's right. Yeah, wow, wow, okay. Whoa. All right. <laughs> One of the things that people always need to think about, you brought up, uh, or we were just discussing Medicare Advantage, is one of the reasons that there's a profit there is that they deal with um, relatively small networks of physicians. So you'll see that they tend to compete on that in that product, not only on price, but by physician network. Okay. So what uh, when somebody is considering a Medicare Advantage plan, the first place for them really to start is, so what does my doctor take? What plans does my doctor take? Okay. Because the doctor won't take all of them, usually. Very rarely do you find that they take them all. And so that typically, rather than price so much, 
the availability of their doctor taking the plan is what drives the decision. Okay, okay. A quick definition for Medicare Advantage in case somebody uh, okay. isn't aware of that. So um, when somebody, and, and I'm going to do it a little broad, more broad, if oh, you will. Okay. Oh, sure, okay. So when somebody turns 65, they usually have four options as far as their health coverage is concerned. The first option is they can stay on their employer group plan. Now, this is especially true for anyone who works for an employer that has 20 or more employees. So when you work for an employer that's that large, Medicare is not primary. What's primary is the plan that you offer your employees. Okay. So if I work, let's just say IBM, I work for IBM, yep. obviously more than 20 employees. When I hit 65, I just stay on the employer group plan. Okay. okay. They're going to be paying a portion of the health care premium. Um, Medicare is is not primary, so um, they don't get involved in it. You don't need to elect Part B of Medicare when you're staying on the, your employer group plan. You are advised, however, when you're turning 65 to elect Part A. Okay. So the government would like to see you elect Part A. I have a special caveat that I'll come back to later. I don't necessarily recommend taking Part A if you have an HSA. Okay. If you have a health savings account, you're better off deferring Part A because once you go on an HSA, you can no can't, longer... Can't use it? You, you cannot. Well, you can use it, but you can no longer contribute to it. Oh, okay. So okay. you've got to stop the contributions and... You know, one of the goals of people as they age is to get some money in an HSA because one of your uh, big expenses over the course of your lifetime is going to be medical expenses. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can put some tax-free money aside, yeah. and that's how that's how you do it with an HSA, then it's a terrific thing okay. to be able to do. The reality of it is, is not all companies offer those. Okay. Um, and I think, frankly, it's a minority of companies that do, but more and more are doing it for the future. So part part uh, A and B, I'm turning 65. I work for a large employer. Uh, in most instances, I elect part A. I do not take part B. Okay. Uh, you'll see things <clears throat> that say, you know, if you miss this window of opportunity for part B, you're going to be penalized for the rest of your life. Frankly, that scares people. A lot of times when they call me, they're they're in a somewhat of a panic. Yep. They're saying, "Oh my God, I'm going to return. I'm going to turn 65 next month. I think I'm in trouble." My first question is, "Are you still working?" Okay. Because if they're still working, again, for a large employer, they just stay on their employer group. And plan. that basically functions as a Medicare Advantage plan. Is that, is that well, correct or, um, or not? It, no, because okay. you're staying on your employer group plan. So okay. whatever your employer offers. Okay. Uh, that's what you're on. You're not on Medicare at all. Okay, Medicare got it. doesn't okay. play a role. Okay, got it. All right. The second thing is you can take A and B of Medicare only, and when you have A and B of Medicare, you have health insurance, albeit you have a deductible on Part A of $1,320. So if you have A and B of Medicare and you're hospitalized, you owe $1,320 the minute they roll you in the door. Okay. You also have a deductible on Part B of $183, but more importantly, under Part B, which covers doctor services, 
you have to pay 20% of the allowable expenses. Okay, that gets a little scary. That right? gets yeah. a little dicey. Yeah. Sometimes people think, well, 20% is not a big deal. I like to remind them yeah. that 20% of a big number is still a big number. <laughs> and it can be very expensive. Yeah. So um, I do find people from time to time, that's all they have. They have A and B of Medicare, so they have coverage. Yep. Now, usually the people that I find that fit that profile are low-income veterans. So they okay. use the VA. Okay. They go to the VA. They get their prescriptions from the VA. So just having A and B of Medicare is sufficient. But I remind those people that if they were to get hit by a bus, I just use that example, but yep. if they were... Uh, hospitalized on an emergency basis, yep. the ambulance doesn't take them to the nearest VA hospital. The ambulance takes them to the nearest hospital. So what happens there? They incur that $1,320 deductible when they're, again, wheeled in the door. So I tell them in order to avoid that, a good strategy is to find a zero premium Medicare Advantage plan. Zero premium it's not costing you anything. Okay. You don't use it except in an emergency. So you're hospitalized on an emergency basis. You show them your Medicare Advantage plan. You are charged a copayment from the plan, but you're not liable for the 20% of the doctor fees, and you're not liable for that $1,320 Medicare deductible for the hospitalization. So that, and that's all veterans, basically. It, it? Well, it's just that, that that's the one that I find fit that profile most the most. Yeah, okay. There okay. are others, you know, who <clears throat> will say, geez, I'm healthy as a horse. What do I need a, a medical plan for? Again, I would say just take the zero premium just as protection for your downside if you're ever hospitalized on a... Uh, emergency basis. Got it. Okay. But what by far and away the majority of people do is uh, option three or option four. Option three is a Medicare Advantage plan. Now that's also called Part C. So Part C and Medicare Advantage are synonymous. Medicare Advantage plans all have some form of a network. So it's either an HMO, a health maintenance organization, or it's a PPO, which is a preferred provider organization that's access to more doctors than in an HMO. Okay. Sometimes <clears throat> people will say to me, I have, I'm just going to use a brand name now so people can identify with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use, um, say, Harvard Pilgrim. I have Harvard Pilgrim in my, uh, for my commercial plan. So I know that when I turn 65, my doctor will take their Medicare Advantage plan. Okay. That's not uh, that's not necessarily true. In fact, it's unlikely that it's true. Really? Wow. Because um, I worked, for example, in 2006, I worked for Tufts Health Plan. And so I had access to information that I wouldn't normally have access to. And I did an analysis of the primary care physicians in the commercial network, which you could get if you were on an employer group plan. And I compared that to the primary care physicians that they had in their Medicare network. And the ratio apparent, uh, uh, was approximately one in 11. So one in 11 of the commercial doctors would take the Medicare Advantage Tufts Health Plan. Okay. So I found over the years that that ratio of approximately one in 10 is fairly accurate. 
Okay. So your chances are one in 10 that your doctor will take the Medicare Advantage plan of the plan that you're currently on with your commercial carrier. Okay. So okay. you need to do research. Yeah. And the research uh, really is, will my doctor take this plan? Is my doctor part of this network? Does my doctor have a contract with this carrier so that I can feel confident taking it and knowing that I can go to that doctor as my primary care physician when I turn 65. Okay. So, um, you know, there's directories out there. Frankly, they're obsolete the moment they're printed. Uh, there's online resources. Again, as soon as it's online, it's obsolete. Wow. They, they turn over so much. I like to call the doctor office, and yet I warn people. Sometimes the office staff doesn't know what Medicare Advantage plans they take. Yeah, and that could change next month anyway, And that right? could change yeah. next month. Okay. And, and the doctor <clears throat> typically doesn't know. Yeah, okay. So it's some, it's some research, and I would look at all the sources that I could to see, does this doctor in fact, and then I would call the plan yeah, I, ultimately I, and say, wow, you know. Wow. Yeah, I see that on the other end because I see a bunch of physicians who work with them. The organizations are getting folded and merged and changed and stuff. I mean, it's All like, the time. It's unbelievable. Yeah, okay, it's unbelievable. Okay, um, let's take a break and figure this out from here. Okay. 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 